Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, on this Consecration Sunday, as we pledge anew our variety of gifts to the one who has already pledged and gifted his very life for us and our salvation upon the cross, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. When the late composer-conductor, Leonard Bernstein, was composing his soul-searching masterpiece entitled Mass, he said that he wanted to be, quote, unquote, for this to be an honest Mass. In fact, in the program notes for its premiere at the Kennedy Center in 1971, Bernstein wrote, I'm seeking to communicate as directly and universally as I can a reaffirmation of faith, especially when it's more often than not in our times surrounded by crises and chaos. That is to say, Bernstein sought to press music and lyrics into a theatrical interpretation of the Catholic Mass that would reach the hearts and minds of people who didn't otherwise see themselves as, should we say, particularly religious. Now, Bernstein knew that the most demanding moment in the Catholic Mass is not the credo, meaning I believe, because most people have at least some kind of vague belief in God. Rather, the most demanding moment would come in the movement called the Oremus, which means let us pray. Because to pray, to talk to God, we can't hedge our bets on God or about God. As Mark Twain writes in his Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, we can't pray a lie. Hmm? As with Jacob at the Jabbok River, as you heard Maria read in our first lesson, our past sins, our conscience, eventually catches up with us, and we wrestle, and we become paralyzed like Jacob. And we need God's intervening forgiveness and blessing to move us forward. We need to move beyond vagueness and complacency and enter into a prayerful, awakened relationship with God. And sure enough, in Bernstein's Mass, when it comes time to pray, a chorus begins to intone a traditional prayer of confession, but then a lone tenor voice soars up above the others in this oremus, this prayer, singing, if I could, I'd confess, good and loud, nice and slow, get this load off my chest, yes, but how, Lord, I don't know. According to Dr. Luke in our gospel lesson for today, Jesus tells his disciples a parable because they're having problems with prayer. Now, Leonard Bernstein may have assumed that only contemporary and non-religious folk 
have problems with prayer, but Jesus, but Jesus knew better. We all have problems with prayer. Even Jesus' disciples were having problems with prayer. And that's why Jesus tells us this parable. You and I all have questions, problems with prayer. Often we wonder if prayer is really heard by God. As you all know, so many prayers seem unanswered. We pray for health, and there's still that little spot on the MRI. We pray for our children, and yet they still get hurt. We pray for peace, and there still are wars and rumors of wars. Yes, we struggle and wrestle like Jacob in prayer, but when we go all the way down, our deepest problem with prayer is that we lose heart. We just lose heart. We lose confidence and trust and hope that our prayers will be heard and answered. We lose heart. And so Jesus talks to us again this day in a parable about praying and not losing heart. As St. Paul with Timothy in our second lesson for today points beyond ourselves, getting us out of ourselves to Christ who speaks to us through his Holy Scripture as the source and the wellspring for our being able to persevere in our faith as Paul writes, in and out of season. Now the parable Jesus tells is about an absolutely horrible judge. This judge had neither respect for God or people, didn't go to church, and he refused to give to the United Way. The kind of judge who makes a mockery out of that title, Your Honor. And then one day a poor widow enters his courtroom, a woman who needed justice but had nothing to go on. She had absolutely nothing. No money, no husband, no standing, no power, no social security, nothing. She was so insignificant, she probably couldn't have gotten justice in a good courtroom with an honorable judge, you know, like Judge Judy. But here she is in this courtroom with the worst judge in the land. Now, did I mention she had nothing? Well, that's not quite right. She did have one thing. She had what is called in Yiddish chutzpah. That is a persevering, relentless spirit that wouldn't let down. Give me justice, she shouted in the courtroom. Give me justice, she pounded on the judge's chambers. Give me justice, she said as she left messages on his voicemail. Give me justice as she chased him around on the number one tee with a sandwich. Finally, she wore the old judge down. The judge said to himself, you know, I don't care about justice, too old, too pooped. And I don't like people. I don't like God, and quite frankly, I don't care about anyone but me. But this widow's about to drive me nuts. I'm gonna give her what she wants just to get her off my back. And if you read this part of the passage in the Greek New Testament, 
It likens to her being in his face to her giving him a black eye. That's how intense it is. And that's the story Jesus tells us that we might pray always and not lose heart. Now, what are we supposed to get out of this story that will help us not to lose heart? Some people from our Bible studies this past week suggested that maybe Jesus wants us to keep our focus on the judge. Now, if your Bibles are open to verse 6, Jesus does say, keep your eyes on the judge. Pay attention to what he says. And if we pay attention to the judge, what do we see? What we see is that even though he was a self-centered jerk, at the end of the day, he did give the woman the justice that she demanded and needed. So maybe what Jesus is teaching us is that even though the headlines on the news often show a world of corruption and evil, this is God's world. This is a world ruled and overruled by a loving and just God, and at the end of the day, there's justice after all. Maybe that's what Jesus wants us to take home from his parable. Well, that's certainly part, but not the heart. Because if that's all Jesus wanted to have us see, the moral of the story would be, take heart, things aren't so bad after all. They're not as bad as they seem. And this is not about some morality or moral, though. But rather, the point of God's word here is pray always and don't lose heart. Now, others in the studies suggest that maybe Jesus wants us to focus our attention on the widow. Did you notice how she went after what she needed? It was, after all, her persistence. Give me justice, she cried. Give me justice. Managing to cross-examine and move the old judge's thrombotic, hardened heart in ruling in her favor. I read an amazing story a few weeks back about an amazing lady, and there are always amazing stories. Mother Teresa, who went to visit Edward Bennett Williams, a legendary Washington criminal lawyer. He was a powerful attorney at one time. He owned the Washington Redskins, the Baltimore Orioles, and he served counsel to people like Frank Sinatra and Richard Nixon. And I'm sure he's a very busy attorney with that client load. Evan Thomas's biography of Williams tells a story about when Mother Teresa visited him because he's, she was raising money for an AIDS hospice. Williams was in charge of a small charitable foundation that she hoped would help. Before she arrived at his law office, Williams said to one of his partners, you know, AIDS is not my favorite disease. I don't really want to make a contribution, but I've got this Catholic nun coming to see me, and I don't know what to do. Well, they agreed to be polite and then say 
know. Mother Teresa arrived, this little sparrow of a lady sitting across this huge mahogany desk with these big dog attorneys. And she made her appeal for the hospice. And Williams responded, we're touched by your appeal, Mother, but, but no. And Mother Teresa said, let us pray. Williams looked at his partner, bowed their heads, and after the prayer, Mother Teresa made the same appeal, word for word, for the hospice. Again, Williams politely said, no. Mother Teresa said, let us pray. Exasperated, Williams looked up at the ceiling, probably the first time he'd ever looked toward the heavens. All right, all right, all right, he said, give me my checkbook. Now, maybe that's what Jesus wants us to take home from this story. Pray like Mother Teresa. Pray like the widow. Cry out. Bang on the doors of heaven with perseverance. Well, again, that's a good part of it, to be sure, but it's not all of it. If that were the whole meaning of Jesus' story, then the moral of the story would be, be feisty. Pray always. The point of the parable is what? Pray always and do not lose heart. No, Jesus' parable isn't finally about the heartless judge, and it's not finally about the insistent poor widow. It's finally about God and you. Through this parable, Jesus is saying to you, if a poor widow with absolutely nothing can finally win justice out of a judge without honor, how much more will you, as God's precious child who crosses his heart to die for you, receive his Holy Spirit that not only rules out of, over all creation, but also has the power to transform your heart and rule within your heart. Maybe it's God who is the widow in this story, trying to change our judging, closed, chambered hearts. My friends, I hope nobody here is ever in as desperate a situation for justice as the poor widow in Jesus' parable for today. Abandoned, alone, cheated out of what was justly hers. But I do hope you forgive me if I say I hope that everyone here today feels a little desperation deep down in your soul. Because you know what desperation does for us? It trims our lives of all the excess junk. And then only one thing becomes of primary importance, and that is our relationship with God in Christ, the one thing needful. My friends, I pray this day that the Lord will stir up our lives to be more desperate and thus perseverant in prayer. For God, for good, for a closer walk with him, for justice, for others in our world that's become all too complacent and spiritually flat. Anesthetized by all of our creature comforts and material stuff. Oh, that we like the widow 
would be desperate, persistent, and realizing there's a lot in our lives that's just plain junk. Our priorities screwed up so that we might be freed to sing a simple song, which from Bernstein's Mass you'll hear a few minutes later now today with Dr. Nessheim. To conclude, at the end of Bernstein's Mass, the celebrant, the priest, whose faith and life had been simple at first, but gradually had been covered over with all kinds of stuff, is so suffocating that he can hardly even pray at all. But then the prayers of those celebrants who are around him and the believers around him begin to pray him up into God's Holy Spirit. And may this be a parable for First Lutheran. Coming to understand that we're not alone in faith in times of crisis by working, praying together, all in the family. By the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and God's grace, praying, pledging, serving, we become closer in Christ. Friends of First Lutheran, Oremus, let us pray. Keep us persistent in our prayers, O Lord, that we may not lose heart and gain a renewed and recommitted and pledged life in you. Amen.